The Alpha Course, what is it? The Alpha Course is really a series of talks and uh, it's a practical introduction to the Christian faith. So sometimes the series can go over a course of 12 weeks, sometimes 10 weeks. Uh, we try to make it easy for people to come and stay the whole course, so we make it eight weeks long. And it's Wednesday night, so we're offering the next one starting up this Wednesday night and for six Wednesdays from 6.30 to 8.30 at the home in Aina Highness, the Pinocchi's home. So we'd love for all of you to come and experience what Alpha is all about. Maybe you want to brush up on your faith. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, I'm a Christian. I would call myself a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. But maybe I want to learn some, you know, things about the Bible. What, who is Jesus? Why should I share my faith? Things like that. So if that's you, you can come along. But more importantly, we'd love to really invite you to invite a friend. So the theme of that video was, who will you invite? Who will you invite? They said 2.5 million people went through the Alpha Course last year. And now, since it started, I think it was over 20 years ago, almost 30 million people around the world have gone through Alpha. And so it's amazing to see how God will use this thing called the Alpha Course to encourage someone in their faith and bring people to faith maybe even for the very first time. So uh, today uh, we're going to have uh, a great buddy of mine, uh, Pat Funai. You see him, he's a guitar player here. And uh, Pat Funai has an amazing testimony of just how God has used Alpha to encourage him in his faith. And so why don't we go ahead and welcome him up right now to the stage. Pat, come on up. And Pat shared, um, Pat shared a few, maybe it was a month ago or so, at the HIM conference. Uh, we were able to share with the other churches and some other Christians about uh, what is this thing called the Alpha Course all about and why they should do it. And uh, I asked Pat to share his testimony and it was so encouraging for me. Some things I didn't know. And I'm like, yeah, we got to have Pat share with our church. So anyway, uh, thank you so much, Pat, for being willing to Thanks, share. Thanks, Max. Okay, so about two years ago, I really wasn't like a big-time churchgoer. You know, my wife was asking me for years to come to church. So I'd come to the Easter service and the vision service and be like, yeah, free breakfast and... You know, I come to the Easter service and, you know, just show face once in a while. But, um, you know, I didn't really have a relationship with God. And um, a couple years before that, I was thinking, you know, you know, I have my family. I have my son. I'm doing good at work. Uh, I'm staying in shape at the gym. And I, I really felt like, you know, I had everything that I really wanted in life. But there was something missing. And I didn't know really what it was. I just was waiting for something to happen. And, um, you know, about maybe two years ago, my son kind of came up to me and said, Hey, Daddy, how come, how come you're not coming to church? You know, can you come to church? And I was like, oh. You know, it's, it's easy. I think it's easy to, to say no to your, um, to your significant other. But when, you're, when your child says something to you, you, you can't let them down. So I started coming. And then um, that weekend, uh, Pastor Mark was making a testimony about how we should get involved in church and he was saying i challenge you to figure out what you're good at and what your gifting is and um 
you should start getting involved now because it'll get you, you know, more engaged. So I thought, oh, what could I do? So I've been playing music all my life. So I talked to Jared that day and I asked him, oh, can I join the worship team? So I did the worship team for about a good year. And, um, you know, I thought this is kind of cool, but we had that thing where we had to rate ourselves. I don't know if you guys remember, it was like a series where you had to rate like what your strengths were. And all my ratings were really low, and I was like, man, I suck, man. You know, I had all these zeros, and I was thinking to myself, I really should be doing more for church than just hauling equipment in the morning, playing on a stage for five minutes, and then hauling equipment back. So I was thinking, maybe I really need to do more. So that day, you know, when Alpha was coming up, and I had no idea what Alpha was, and then, you know, Nan came up to me, and she was like, hey, I really recommend you come to this course. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, what is this, a class or something? And I had no idea. So a couple of days later, Max texted me and said, hey, Pat, you know, why don't you come to this alpha course? And at the time, I didn't even have them on my um, phone list. So it was just, won't you come to alpha? You know, they really want you to be there. And I thought he was like some sort of stalker. So, you know, I wrote back. I was like, oh, thanks for the invite, but who is this? <laughs> and he goes, oh, sorry, it's, it's Max Fowler. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, and... So I figured, ah, Jared's going to be there, you know, Max will be there. Why don't I check it out? You know, Nan is going to be there, my brother-in-law Matt's going to be there. So I thought, okay, good, I'm going to check it out. So I talked to my wife. She was like, okay, let's go check it out. So we drove up to the Pinocchio's house, which is, by the way, one of the most nicest houses you're ever going to see if you've ever been there. Like, I remember pulling up, and there's actually, like, a grass-in parking lot. And so we're walking in, we see the pool house, we see the pool. I'm like, whoa, this is not the pagoda, man. This is nice. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, like, how do people at our church have enough, can afford a place like this? <laughs> I got to get with this guy. And then we walk in, and then we go out to the yard, and there's, like, the ocean there. And then you see the kitchen is all granite countertops and and you see this long dining room table. I'm like, oh, this dining room table is bigger than my whole house. <laughs> so I'm like, I know it's wrong to like covet thy neighbor's wife, but I'm, I'm coveting this guy's house right now. Like, wow. So you feel all like serene and, you know, you feel like you're at a hotel and, you know, you feel like you're at the vision service, the Hyatt again. And then uh, you have a dinner and then you hang out with the people that you know. And after that, they, uh, so I didn't know what was going on. So then we go to the pool house and we watch a video and there's this British guy that comes on. <laughs> like, who is this? Can barely understand his language and his accent. I'm like, okay. But, you know, the videos are, are very engaging. And I was like actually paying attention on, uh, you know, I was actually listening to him and I was taking in every word he was saying. And after the video, I'm like, okay, is that it? And I'm looking at my wife, and she's like, I think that's it. Did we just go? I'm like, okay, let's go grab our kid and dig out. And then Max says, oh, we're going to go to our small groups now. And I'm thinking, oh, small groups? I didn't know there was going to be small groups at this thing. So I'm thinking, okay, I know Jared. I have my wife here. She's my, my security blanket. So I have my brother Matt. You know, and then we're going to be in the group together. I'm good. I'm not going to freak out. And Max goes, okay, here's your group. And I'm in a group of all women. None of whom I know at all. I'm like, do you guys even go to my church? So I'm kind of freaking. I'm like, oh, man, maybe I should go hide in my car, you know. But Aaron was already there, so I couldn't do that. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm scared because I don't know these people and I'm the only guy there. I don't wear a bra, so <laughs> it's weird for me. And so I sit down on this table and there's like four women there and they're all smiling. <laughs> Hi, welcome. You know, we're so glad you came. What's your, don't you play on the worship team and don't you wear big glasses? I was like, oh, yeah. They're like, oh, thanks for coming. And they're like, oh, so what is your relationship with God? And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> what is my relationship with God? I don't know. And so all these questions were being fired my way. And, you know, it was really awkward for me. So I remember the next week, my wife couldn't make it. So I had a lot of work, work things to do that day. And I decided, nah, I'll just skip this one because my wife's not going to go. So I'm not going to go to this one. And then the next week, I come back to church, and um, I remember seeing my leader, Corrine Murakami. She's sitting back there smiling, not wanting to be noticed, but I'm going to notice that's Corrine right there. And I remember talking. I was like, oh, sorry, I missed last week. You know, I had a lot of things to do for work. And, um, you know, and she was just like, oh, it's okay. And, you know, it's okay that you missed it. And, you know, we did good. And I'm looking at her face, and she looked like she's ready to cry. <laughs> So I'm feeling like so guilty inside. I'm like, oh. And then the next thing she says, you know, I come to this church for 10 years and I'm not closer to anybody. I'm like, oh. You know, all of a sudden, the, you know, this, this big feeling of remorse and guilt, like I should have came last week. You know, I feel like I'm killing this woman on the inside. And so I, I went home that day and I told my wife, we're never missing another Alpha day again. We got to go to all of them. So, and then what happens is the next week, my wife falls down and busts her eye open and has to go to the emergency room. So she's not going to go that night. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, if I don't go, Karina's going to probably cry and, you know, kill herself and drown herself in the Pinocchi's pool. So I'm, dr I'm driving up there by myself, and I'm, like, scared, like, oh, man, I have... I'm going to be back in that group again. I don't know anybody. And there's going to be weird biblical questions that I don't know the answers to. But something inside told me, you need to go. You need to go because this is going to be good for you. So I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to trust you, God, and I'm going to drive up to the Pinocchio's house, and I'm going to just get through this night, and I'll be fine. And then we start having discussions, and I'm, like, getting more engaged. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is good. I'm actually, like answering these things, you know, you know, sincerely, and I'm feeling like I'm starting to belong to this group. And as the weeks go along, um, you know, I'm starting to, like, really like it. And my wife is still out. She's all with her bad eye, and she's going to put patches on her eyes. So I'm, she's not going every week, and I'm going by myself. And every week, I'm, I think I'm starting to develop confidence in doing things on my own. And then uh, we have this Alpha Day Away, which is at this beautiful golf course, the Kolau. And um, there's this one moment where, where Max is saying, you know, can we pray? And I want you guys to just say the words, come Holy Spirit. And I had never done that before. So I actually said, okay, I'm going to try it. I know I'm, I'm liking this Alpha course. Let's see what happens. So I close my eyes and I start praying. And all of a sudden, like, I started to get very teary-eyed. And I'm thinking to myself, is this what happens when you say, come Holy Spirit? Because I don't cry. Like, I'm, I never cry. Like, the last time I cried was when, like, Bambi died, you know. <laughs> That's the last time I remember crying. And, you know, and when my wife and I get into arguments, she cries, and I just sit there going like this. 
She's like, you don't care, you don't love me. And I'm just like, you know, I just don't cry. I don't respond to crying. And, you know, but I'm just like tearing up. And then Neil Murakami comes up to me and goes, hey, how do you feel? How do you feel? And I was like, I don't know. I feel weird right now. <laughs> He's like, why don't you come with here and pray with us? So it was at that point that everything started becoming clear for me as, you know, a person and hearing God. And I started to hear him say things to me over and over very, very clearly. And uh, at that point, it started to become a change for me. So there was like two more weeks of Alpha. So I went to those last two weeks and then Alpha was over. And I was like, oh, man, Alpha's done, you know, like. I'm really starting to miss the people in my group, you know, and, and it really occurred to me, like, after it, because there was nothing to do on Wednesdays anymore, and then there was, like, this void in my heart, and I was like, I miss my group so much, like, I wanted to call them up and say, hey, can I sleep over your guys' house, you know, and, you know, that's how much I miss them, and I couldn't wait to come back to church just to see them for five minutes and give them a hug and say, hey, how you doing, you know, and so it really... It really occurred to me, like, you know, this is a bigger thing in my life, and I'm really feeling it right now. And then we had the baptism. And then uh, I'm walking by the table, and then Karina's like, hey, why don't you get baptized? And I was like, okay, maybe I should just follow what she tells me before she starts crying. So I signed up, and then I got baptized, you know, I think later that Sunday. And everything from that point on seemed clear. I'd come to church, and I'd listen to Pastor Max, and I'd listen to Pastor Mark, and it was like I was wearing glasses because I could see everything. Everything made sense. Bible verses made sense. I started reading the Bible. You know, I joined Elise's small group, and I started to do all these things on my own. And if it wasn't for Alpha, I, I really wouldn't think that I'd be here right now speaking to you guys about what it is that Alpha can do to you because Alpha really changed my life, and I think it could change your life no matter where you are as far as being a Christian, if you haven't been baptized yet, or if you've been coming to this church for 10 years, or if you're, you're even a pastor, I think Alpha works very strongly for every single person that goes to it. That's why people keep coming back to Alpha. You know, they come as a participant, and then they come back as a helper, they come back as a leader, because it, it's like so special. Like the feeling that you get, it's like you, you feel like you've been through a war together. And, like, there's this bond that you feel every time you see people that are in the Alpha program. You know, and I met so much people even outside the group. And after that, you know, I started getting discipled by Neil, and I met all these great guys. You know, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, and you really got to give it a try because we don't know how many alpha, more Alpha courses we're going to have. Um, and it's an opportunity that you don't want to miss out on. So... With that being said, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, if 30 million people can be in Alpha, you know, it shows how addictive this program can be because people keep going back. So I was thinking, you know, after Alpha was over, you know, if Alpha was a drug and they sold Alpha in packs on the street, you would probably see Max Fowler's sticker on it going like this. And people would be going to Alpha meetings, and it would be called Alphaholics Anonymous. <laughs> and people would be like, oh, it's been two weeks since my last Alpha session. And Kareem Murakami would be over there selling the packets of drugs. So that's how addictive it is. So you really need to give it a try because I swear to God that you will love it.
Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You know, I did not pay Pat any money to say all that, just in case you're wondering. Um, you know, Pat has been, uh, I can see the Lord doing, and during the Alpha Course, I could see the Lord working in his life uh, from week to week, right? And um, I, I'm so blessed to be a part of this thing called the Alpha Course. And like I said, um, we, we want everybody to come, wherever you are at, in your journey of faith with the Lord, but we would really love it if you brought a friend, okay? Alpha only works when you get people there who don't know who Jesus is, and like, you know, Jesus is one way to, just one way of many ways to God. People are, you know, believe that, and we want all of those people there, okay? So just invite whoever it is, your friends, your family, pray, ask the Lord, then get this thing in your bulletin. Don't throw it in the garbage, but throw it at somebody who knows, maybe it's somebody in the McDonald's drive-thru that God has just put a burden on your heart for it. Tell them about Alpha. And it's not Alpha that changes people, but it's God. It's Jesus who changes people. Come Holy Spirit, just like Pat prayed, and he'll do some powerful stuff. And so it's a, we're just trying to make it as easy as possible for us to reach our friends and our family. Today I wanted to go ahead and share a message. Uh, today's message is called God's Heart for the Lost and Found. And let me, before we get started, ask you everybody a question. I was going to say y'all. I don't know we carry them here. And he got me on that. I'm going to ask you all a question. Uh, how many of you here have ever lost your wallet? Raise your hand. Oh, isn't that the worst feeling? I lost my wallet before the Punahou Carnival one year when I was a teenager, like 12, 13 years old, something like that. And it was the worst day of my life. <laughs> okay? I was like, oh, no more money for the carnival. Oh, so sad. Okay, and then, uh, how many of you have ever lost your cell phone? Raise your hand. Cell phone, yes. Oh, that is a bummer. And uh, even the Find Your iPhone app won't work. Uh, so if, like, the battery dies, I think it doesn't work. Can't find it. Okay, what about your car at the shopping center? You can't find it. Those of you, yeah, I saw you running around at Ala Moana. And so, yeah, you know, it's like, the, I don't know if I'm getting older and it's messing with me because I'm like, it happens more and more. I have no clue. I'm walking out. I don't know where I parked in Ala Moana, and I really got to concentrate. Oh, yeah. So um, how about for you guys and men and women, how about has anybody lost their wedding ring? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. Oh, Julio. <laughs> Tabitha's giving you stink eye right now. She's remembering. Sorry for bringing that up, Tab. But... Um, you know, I lost my wedding ring. Uh, it was less than a week after um, uh, we got married, 2003. So I decided to go surfing. And I've told this story before. But uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to go surfing. And I'm putting sunscreen on my face. And then I realized, and my, my fingers were skinnier at the time. <laughs> so uh, my wedding ring was, was a lot looser. And when I had the uh, sunscreen all over my hands, I noticed this baby's going to fall off as I'm paddling. What is, was my good idea? To take off my ring, and I was going to put it on my bigger hand, because you know your right hand is actually bigger. Your fingers are bigger. So I thought, okay, I'm going to put it on my right hand. Was that a good idea? That's a pretty good idea, right? So I'm sitting in the water off, the co off port lock, and the swells are coming, and I'm doing this. Yeah, that's a great idea. 
So I take off my ring, and I don't know how I have such bad hand-eye coordination, but I literally missed my finger. Okay, I never could be that bad, but it, like, I just missed it. It just missed the hand. Bloop! And it made that sound. Bloop! And I remember just thinking, did that just happen? So I dove off my board immediately, and I th- was like beating my ring down there, I think, to the bottom of the ocean. It was probably 10 to 15 feet deep, kind of deep. And I'm down there, and I'm looking around, and the swells are taking me back and forth down there, and I'm putting my hand in all kind of crevices. I don't care about eels at this point. I'm going to get that ring. I come up for air, go back down three times. On the third time, well, that's kind of biblical, you know? The third time, I go down there, stick my hand in a little hole, and I pull that baby out, okay? It was a miracle, a miracle. God had mercy on my soul, and I came up, and I let out, yeah, I got my ring. Okay, I was so happy, and I think I just, like, ended the session right there, and went home but it was amazing and you know you don't want to lose your ring period but especially not in the first week so god helped me he had grace in my life and he helped me find that ring and today i want to be talking i'm going to be talking about how god is excited he's screaming out loud jumping for joy when he finds lost things lost people you know the way our Heavenly Father goes around looking for those people who are lost and rejoices when they're found is such a huge part of why I love God so much. And I'm like, yes, this is the heart of our Heavenly Father. He's so compassionate. He has so much compassion for those who are lost, His wayward children. And then when He finds them, when they come home, He's so stoked. He's so excited when they come home. If you have a Bible... Please turn your Bible to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I just want to encourage everybody, try to bring your Bibles um, to church uh, with you. It's just, it'll help you in your faith journey, I promise, I promise. As you continue, keep this thing close to you wherever you go kind of thing, especially at church. Now we put it up on the screen, but it's really cool. And I heard a speaker say, you know, (laughs) it's funny because... Uh, we say, don't, don't worry if you don't have a Bible, but secretly inside, pastors really judge you. If you don't have a Bible on stage, they're like, yeah, okay. It's going to be on the screen, but we really love it, being totally honest, when you have your Bible. <laughs> and then second thing is, if you have some notes, if you have the bulletin and taking notes, wow, pastors love that. From the stage, they're like, oh, this person is engaged, this person is listening. And so um, no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but just to let you know, maybe next time, that'd be awesome. So um, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 2 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. So picture this in our minds, okay, church? All the tax collectors and the sinners, think about what kind of people that is and all that. They're gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, muttering like, you know, secret kind, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So the context here, Jesus hung out with all kinds of bad people, right? All kinds of people that the, you know, elites would say, oh, those are the scum of society, the misfits. Maybe they were tax collectors, like traitors or their own people. Uh, They were maybe people who were thieves. 
the prostitutes, and uh, these are the people that Jesus hung out with. This was his group, his tribe. Okay, so uh, his tribe, uh, he, he would be uh, hanging out with them, eating and drinking with them. And why did they love him? They loved Jesus so much because he was willing to share with them honestly about, hey, you know what? This is who God is. He loves you unconditionally. But he loves you so much, he doesn't want to keep you in the same condition that you're in. There's hope. There's a purpose for your life. And they love that about Jesus. Okay? So he was with them. They were with him. But there was another group that didn't like Jesus' message. And these were the Pharisees. Okay? The Pharisees were considered the religious elite of their day. Very well versed in the Bible. And they were, couldn't understand why Jesus would hang out with these lowlifes. Why would Jesus hang out with them? They didn't get it. How could somebody who called himself a spiritual person, a rabbi, hang out uh, with such people? Right? So you can imagine the scene where Jesus is speaking to the crowd and they're all around. And you see the Pharisees. They, they're kind of edging a little bit closer. What is Jesus saying to these people? I wonder what he's talking about. And they're listening. And then they hear what he's saying. And then they start muttering to themselves, right? This guy cannot be a holy man of God. Do you, what do you think? No, no. He, look at him. Look what he's doing. Look who he's hanging out with. So Jesus hears what they're saying. And this is how he responds. And I love it. Jesus teaches three parables. And he's addressing, who is he addressing? The people he's speaking to, right? His people, his tribe. Those who would be considered the outcasts of society. But he's also speaking to the Pharisees because they're listening in. And so he tells three parables about who God is. He's trying to make a point. God's heart is for the lost. He cares about lost people. He cares about his lost children. And when they are found, we need to celebrate. Okay, so Luke chapter 15, verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. And you know this. This is a famous parable, right? He has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, Jesus said, in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So that's the first parable, parable of the lost sheep. The second, verse 8, Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. And loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So that's the parable of the lost coin. Verse 11. Jesus continued... His third parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, 
the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, if you can imagine the father, still a long way off out in the distance, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But, but the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeying your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So that's the third parable Jesus told. Parable of the lost son. I've also heard it said uh, the parable of the loving father, which probably is more appropriate. Prodigal just means extravagant. So he was an extravagant son. And I think that the real attention, focus should be on the Father, the loving Father. So I like to call it the parable of the loving Father. So you can imagine the scene, right? Jesus tells these three stories, parables, and he's just rocking the boat. He is just blowing the minds off of the Pharisees. He's breaking down their understanding of who God is. And for them, that's, don't go there. Don't mess with who God is. Jesus is showing them the heart, the very heart of who God is. What kind of heart does God have for his children? 
if you think about it, each of the stories had the same exact storyline, right? Something or someone was lost. Something valuable was lost. And so that person or people, they searched everywhere. And then when they found it, they had a big party. Same theme. Three stories in a row. It's like telling the same story three different ways, right? So Jesus repeated the story three times because it's so important. He wants those people to catch the heart of God. And it's so important to catch God's heart. And it's important for us. We are that audience too. So he spoke to the people he was hanging out with, the sinners. He was speaking to the Pharisees. But 2,000 years later, may the Holy Spirit speak to us today. May God reveal his heart to you. Because once you know his heart, it changes everything. So number one, we can write this. This is three things that we learn from this these parables. Number one, you can write it in your bulletins. Care that people around you are lost. Care that people around you are lost. You know, our lives are like a scratch in eternity. If you imagine you put a line out and you draw it, go west. Which way is west? Probably think I'm all mixed up now. Okay, you go out to the west side, like stretch a line down that way. Then you go to the east side. Choo! It's going... It's just going out, and it extends past Oahu, past Hawaii, going all the way around the world, out into around the world, okay? Our lives are like a little pencil scratch. We live our whole lives, everything, on this little scratch. However many years we live, it's just very quick, okay? Like a vapor, the Bible says. It's like a blink of an eye in terms, a blink of a blink of an eye in terms of how long eternity is, Right? And there are thousands and thousands and millions and even billions of people who can come live their lives on this pencil scratch not knowing who Jesus is. Think about that. It's amazing, isn't it? They might even have gone to church, but they didn't hear the gospel. They don't know Jesus. And that's the thing. God says, you, it's not about what we did for God. It's not about if we said we're religious or come to church is do we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the only way to be saved. Right? He is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And so, so many people who live on this pencil scratch don't end up knowing Him and can't spend eternity with Him. And so, we have this hope in us. We know like it's not because of our works but because of God's grace, he saved us. And we have all this hope and purpose and, and just like Pat was sharing today, you know, you could just see it coming out of him, right? Overflowing with him, this excitement for Jesus. But so many people don't know him and don't have that. And we want to care for people, but it's just not easy, right? A lot of times we're like, okay, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to like get my heart ready to care for people? Our our heart doesn't break in the same way that it broke for Jesus. But that's the point. God wants to give us that heart. He wants to give us his heart. And we're not perfect, but every day that we live on this pencil scratch, the point is that we would look more and more like Jesus. Okay, we're all in process. We're all a work in progress. But you know what? The person who you were a year ago shouldn't be the person who you are now. 
Okay, and if that's the case, then we're saying, God, break my heart. God wants to show. He told these stories so that we would start to have a new heart. And that's about caring, right? We would care for people who don't know Jesus. Now, the Pharisees who are listening to Jesus talk to, to the misfits, to the outcasts, to the sinners, what was there? They were saying, oh, look at this guy. Right? He's talking to these sinners. Their lives are all messed up. And their view of these people was, that's their fault. You know? This is like, they're sinners, their life is messed up, and I don't really care about it. We're going to do what's right in God's eyes, but we're not going to take care of these people. We don't want to associate with these people. And a lot of times, we think those Pharisees are a bunch of bad dudes. But we have the same opinion of people. A lot of times, we see people who don't act like us, talk like us, think like us, offend us, smell like us, right? We think the same things. Yeah, maybe I should stop and talk to them. But you know what? It's probably because a lot of bad choices they make. I'm guilty of thinking that. And maybe deep down inside, a lot of us are, all of us. It's probably their own choices. They messed up along the way. You know, if they could just make better decisions, right? If they could just go to church somewhere, man, this person needs God. Do you know what I mean? Like, why is their life so messed up? And we think these kinds of things as well. Just like the Pharisees did, right? Our sole purpose on earth that God wants us to do is to be Jesus to everyone we meet. To love God, to care about God. Do we care about God? Is our heart breaking for God, the things of God? And then is our heart breaking, do we care about other people? Do we care well, that's number one. Number two, you can write it in your notes. Chase after those who are lost. Chase after those who are lost. The three parables have an, each have an element of seeking after that which was lost, right? Does not the shepherd leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? The go after? That's chasing after, right? Does not the woman light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? She turned her whole house upside down. She was searching carefully. And while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And what did he do? And he ran to his son. And in those days, people hearing that story, they'd say, no father should be running. <laughs> Right? In front of others. No father should be stooping down to look you know, like that. And so they had the long clothing, so he had to hike it up, and he's running, like making a fool of himself. Right? Running to the sun. But what if the parables went like this? And the shepherd figured, oh well, it's just one sheep. I have 99 left. Or what if it was like this? It's just a coin. I'm sure I'll find it somewhere in the couch cushions later. I have nine others. Or, here comes that son of mine who created a total mess out of his life. I bet he's going to want his way back into my house now. Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That was Jesus' mission. To seek and to save. To seek and to save. And that's our mission too. What can we do to chase after people? How can we seek out 
after those who are in our lives. God put those people in your lives for a reason. They might not look like you. You might not want to associate with them. You might not like them. But God wants you to care for them and then chase after them. How do we do that? You know, I'm trying to figure it out myself. I'm just looking for any creative way the Lord would allow me to do it. We do missions as we chase after people. We could stay here and not go anywhere, but we do local missions, things like the Alpha Course, things like outreach to the homeless, the Next Step Shelter, things like gating into the school here at McKinley High School, but we also do global missions going all the way around the world, doing all that time, resources, whatever it is, so that we could tell people we're seeking after, we're going into the world, I'm looking at ways I can do it in regular inviting people to the off course. Like I'm texting Pat. He doesn't even know who I am. Who is this? I remember getting that. You know, and I'm like, I'm just texting like 100 people. You know, send it off. And most of the time people are like, no, no thanks. But there are times. Like, you know, over the course of the last few times we did it, we had more than a handful of my friends and family people come on out. And so it's awesome. We're just looking at creative ways we can seek after, chase after people who don't know Jesus. And a lot of times, you know, insanity, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So a lot of times we say, yeah, I'm just going to try hard. I'm just going to do better at what I've been doing. I'm asking you today to think, Lord, Download something creatively. Let me do something differently so I'm not going insane in this effort. Lord, help me to do things a little bit differently with a new heart, a renewed passion for the lost. And that's moving on us to our third point. You can write this down. Number three, celebrate when people are found. Celebrate when people are found. Get into that habit. You know, in this in the parables, Jesus was really, I think, directly speaking to the heart of the Pharisees, the attitude of the Pharisees. And he, he told the story of the prodigal son's older brother, right? And we a lot of times forget about that portion of the story, don't we? We're thinking, okay, we know the, the heart of the father when the son comes home after messing his life up. And he loves them. But then we kind of forget about that last portion of the story when the older brother has just that bad attitude. And Jesus is addressing the attitude of the Pharisees when he's talking about him, right? So he, the older brother was not able to grasp, how could my dad accept this jerk of a brother back into our lives, back into his home, Right? And not only that, not only receiving him back, but what did he do? Right? He hugged him, kissed him, gave him the robe, the ring, and he gave him a whole big party where they even killed the fattened calf. And so the older brother is thinking, what is he doing that for? Why is he celebrating him? And you can imagine the scene, and it's so good for us to go back to the scene like that night and put yourself in, when you read the Bible stories, just put yourself there in, in their shoes, right? And you can imagine the parties going on inside. The music is just pumping. It's just, you know, a party going on. And the DJ is just rocking it, right? Every, everything's just firing. And it's a big party at the estate. And then 
the older brother comes back and he's like, what is up? What's the party for? And they tell him, the dad comes out and he has that conversation, right? And Mr. Responsible is there and he has that deep conversation with his brother. He refused to go in. The older brother refused to go in. Why should he go in there and party? And you know, this gets to the whole idea of forgiveness. Why should we forgive others? Why should I forgive that person who did that to me? It doesn't make any sense. That's not fair. It's fair for me to be angry, upset, and hold a grudge. That younger brother didn't deserve anything. But the dad was just showering him with love, showering him with favor. That younger brother deserved to work his way back, grovel for forgiveness, pay off everything that he, you know, blew. That's what justice is, right? That seems fair in our concept of fairness and forgiveness. But verse 28 says, So the father went out and pleaded with him. We're getting to the heart of the Heavenly Father. For those who think, you know what? It's not fair that they're forgiven. He's speaking to the Pharisees, but he's speaking to us as well. Because we have that same Pharisaical heart for people. And is that maybe, just maybe, a reason why we don't care? Is that maybe a reason why we're not chasing after people? Because in our limited understanding, human understanding, our sinful nature, we're saying, you know what? I go to church. I pay a tithe. I do things the right way. If this person were to just do what they needed to do, their lives would be good too. But why is their life all messed up? They got to get their act together. Do you see how we have the same kind of thoughts and themes going through, just like the Pharisees do, just like that older brother did? But the father's response is so awesome. He gently responds, My son, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The heart of the Heavenly Father is on display for us to see. Right? He loves it when a sinner comes home. He loves it when just one sinner repents, not only him, the Bible says all of heaven has a party. And that's for real. I believe the Bible's true. If it says heaven has a party, then I know one, when one person comes to receive Jesus, it's a big party. Right? And so Jesus tells us the story to us, to the sinner, to the Pharisee, and to us. And he says, you know what? Maybe your heart is hard. Maybe you're somebody who has a hard time extending the same kind of grace that our Heavenly Father extends to those who don't know Him. Maybe you're not somebody interested, who you care too much that other people don't know Jesus. If that's you, it's, I need that prayer too. That's me too. In a lot of ways, I have a hard time caring. Maybe your heart is so hard that you have a hard time wanting to chase after people. I know I do. When I'm texting people or calling them, inviting them to Alpha Course or to Easter, it is hard. I'm like fighting against myself to do it. Does anybody else have that internal fight too? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm thinking we all do. 
And maybe you just, maybe you don't have that, even that willingness or something in you that wants to celebrate when somebody becomes a Christian or gets baptized. We're like, yeah, okay, what's for lunch? That's me. See, but why are we here? God is saying, I want you to have my heart. I want you to know who I am. Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 9 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But verse 4, Wherever you find grace, you're going to see it, the sentence start with the word, but. God always throws that in there. It's like he takes that turn, that huge turn. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is only by God's amazing grace that we've been saved. Grace is the thing that Jesus is telling in this story. Grace is the only thing that is going to cause you to care. It's going to be the only thing that's going to help you to chase after somebody and to finally celebrate. When you start to understand God's grace, it changes everything. That's why they call it amazing. So maybe you're here today and you're a prodigal son. Maybe you're running from the Lord and God is finally saying, Welcome home. I have no condemnation for you. I love you and I want to come and give you a big hug and give you everything. Maybe you're here today and say, that doesn't sound fair. Don't they need to work for it? Don't they need to do something? And maybe you have an attitude like the Pharisees or the older brother. And if that's you, would you please receive God's grace afresh this morning? When we receive God's grace, it's like we can just extend grace to others. We know I, I'm, I am a pastor. I am preaching the word of God. But I'm no better, no worse than anybody out there, anybody in here. I'm just somebody who's received God's forgiveness and grace. Same goes for all of us. So I look forward to what God is doing here. There are a couple opportunities for us to like apply some of this, uh, what we're learning and chasing after and carrying and, and doing the celebrating. We are having a baptism coming up. So the baptism's coming up um, next week, Sunday. And it, what a cool opportunity, right? When somebody goes under and they come out and we just all scream, yeah, and they're clapping. It's really a fun thing. And it kind of reminds me just a little bit of the party that's going on in heaven when somebody comes to know Jesus. So if you want to be a part of that, that's awesome. Come on out. You'll see your, your spirit will just come alive just being at the baptism. Okay, so that's next week, Sunday at 3.30. And then if you have not been baptized, like I said, come and speak to me. And then 
Another way to extend grace is the Alpha Course, like Pat was talking about, like I was talking about. Maybe you can't make it on a Wednesday evening, and that's fine. Alpha is not, is, it's, see, whatever God calls you to in that season. You have a lot of things to do going on, but if God is calling you to, to come, that's awesome. And if he's calling you, most importantly, to invite a friend or a family member, that's even better. Okay, this is a way that we can extend grace to others. And Alpha is so good at that because it's really just about loving and listening. It reminds me a lot of the character and the heart of God, the heart of Jesus. So let's go ahead and stand up now. We're just going to, in conclusion, just ask God that he would come and he would be somebody, his heart would lead us to love him so much that we would care for others that they're lost. That he would be able to say, you know what, I'm chasing, I'm going to give you a heart to chase after those who don't know me. And then when they finally come home, we're going to throw a big party. We're going to celebrate together. Let's go ahead and pray. So Heavenly Father, we just say thank you so much for who you are, Lord. We ask that you would please come. You would please create in us a new heart you would work in us something different that we wouldn't be doing things the same way but lord we would be doing things differently that we would care for others we can't do this on our own so lord create in us a new heart now we would love others we would chase after others we would celebrate with you and lord we just say lord we can't do this on our own we need you to do it within us And we say thank you so much for your grace, Lord. We want to be receivers of your grace and we want to be extenders of your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, thank you. So on on the outside, there's the Alpha table and don't forget to pick up your family portraits um, on the way out. Have a great Sunday. Thank you.